I've got a short show today, so let's get to the Q&A right away. Ask me anything. Well, almost anything. The Monica Perez Show starts now. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB, regularly scheduled for 3 to 6 on Saturday afternoons, but I move around a lot. So today I'm on from 2 to 3.30, making way for the Georgia Bulldogs G-Day spring football game. G-Day is 93K Day this year, and you can actually be a part of this historic day and be one of 93,000 Georgia Bulldog fans to watch the spring game in the stadium free. But if you can't make it, listen to the play-by-play starting at 4 o'clock and the pregame starting at 3.35, so right after my show's over, right here on the home of the dogs, WSB. But that is why I'm uh, early today and why I want to hit the ground running with uh, questions and uh, what people want to talk about. I got, I threw that out there on my website, MonicaPerezShow.com, and I also uh, tweet Facebook at Monica Perez Show. And I got a lot of good questions and comments uh, asking me what I think on certain issues, libertarian stuff, personal stuff, really anything. But I always do, and I'm going to start with those now. And I always prioritize calls because that's just more fun to have the conversation. And I, I do save these questions maybe for next time I do an Ask the Libertarian show, show that stuff that I've gotten on the email and stuff. So you can call 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I, got, uh, I will start with the first um couple of questions I got on it. They really are focused on the libertarian uh, principles, but they're on point for the election, our election cycle. I'm so sick of the Republican and Democratic primaries, but I'm not sick of the libertarian conversation. My first question was from Jim. What did did you think of the libertarian debate? That was a debate that John Stossel held. It was a two-part debate. You can go to my website to see it on the video. Uh, For the three candidates who, or the three main candidates, biggest candidates who are running to get the libertarian nomination, that's Gary Johnson, who was the candidate last year, John McAfee of a really colorful character who got rich with that brilliant antiviral software, making the solution to viruses private, just like the solutions to hacking would be private. And he said he can affect that. And uh, a young guy, Austin Peterson, who really uh, knows his kind of um, libertarian theory, I would say. So it was really enjoyable to watch that. And the question that Jim asked me was, who do I think won? And I'll tell you, I would absolutely love any of those guys, any of them. And you can always tell that they really don't have this political agenda because they uh, are probably not going to win. So they can really they're just there, I would say, for the most part, to get the message out and to talk about the principles uh, this this year, there is a little bit something different, though, because the Libertarian Party um, uh, is the only one, I'm almost positive, it is the only one that has a presence on every single ballot in the country. So all the state ballots have the Republican and the Democrat 
nominee, but only the Libertarian Party has a presence everywhere. So I've seen like hints in the Wall Street Journal and other places that somebody should hijack the Libertarian ballot access to beat Trump or whatever, you know. Um, But these three guys were the real deal. I was a little wondering about McAfee because I didn't really know of him as a Libertarian, but his... His position as an individualist, which he's proven with his lifestyle and his life and his achievements in, uh, without following in lockstep the establishment, are impressive. But also on this debate, he always took the position that seemed very natural to him, that he was centered in individualism. So when somebody said... Uh, should you be able to discriminate against people? Gary Johnson said, well, a baker shouldn't be able to discriminate. And McAfee said, hey, I can discriminate against you and you can discriminate against me if you don't have to give me your money and I don't have to give you my cake. And that's fine. And we'll just go our separate ways. We're not going to aggress on each other. I'm not going to force you to associate with me to buy my cake. Don't force me. So his position was that the that the peaceful position is to is this freedom of association, but he didn't seem to come from it from a political point of view. So I I I loved all the guys. I think Austin Peterson's gonna really stick with it, but I just really enjoyed seeing the side of McAfee. So uh, I'm gonna go to Alan in Atlanta. Hi, Alan, you're on with Monica. Yeah. Hi Monica. This is uh Alan Buckley. I'm the Libertarian Party's candidate for U.S. Senate in Georgia. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I was nominated at the convention on March 5th, so I will be on the ballot in November, borrowing death or disability before then. But uh, uh, just, you know, calling in, and I, I did not catch that second debate. I was participating in a forum last Friday night, so I, I missed it. But but uh, it was an interesting, interesting forum. Nicholas uh, Sarwark would be... Um, head of the National Libertarian Party was there, and we talked about, there were a couple of professors there, one from Emory, one from Mises, and we talked about economic liberty and, you know, what's, you know, what's appropriate and what's not. And uh, What wouldn't be? What's not appropriate when it comes to economic liberty? Well, you know, I, I personally believe in, in antitrust laws, okay? Um, that's one area where I believe that government plays a role. I don't. I disagree with that, and I'll tell you why. That the the problem, the reason you get oligopolies is government regulation. I actually think the antitrust laws were set up. If they had, like with Rockefeller and stuff, when he was crushing his opposition and stuff, he was... He had hijacked the government. He was doing things that were fraudulent. He was using government apparatuses. If they had simply enforced the laws that he was breaking, he wouldn't have been able to amass. And and then once he was that incumbent that had all that money and power, he could just own the government forever after that, which is what his plan was and what I think he did. And that they actually use these regulations to benefit the incumbents because startups can't come up with all those departments of this and that? Well, no, no offense, but I, I, I disagree. I think, I think at that point there was not much. Let me, let me tell you this. I, I absolutely believe in maximizing personal freedom, business freedom. I think government should be there to protect the people, their property, and the environment. And I don't think they have to do the environment either, and I'll tell you why there. If you're going to bring it up, I'm going to tell you. 
in the during the Industrial Revolution, people were suing industries, factories for spewing particulates on their land, and they were winning until the government stepped in and said industry is too important you have to we are going to carve out you know they're allowed to pollute because you'd be shutting down industry private property ownership does have the solution to uh environmental damage because you have standing when it damages you well let me let me say this okay i'm an attorney and a cpa and i disagree let me tell you why okay i'm an attorney and a cfa Okay, all right. I'm not. I don't want to, you know, compete with you here on, on credentials. But I used to live when I was young. I lived in Ohio on, on Lake Erie, and in the '70s, I can remember going out in the lake, and and the lake was brown, and you'd get out of the lake, and you would smell because there were dead fish everywhere, and the and the river, the Cuyahoga River, caught on fire in the 1970s. Well, who owned the lake and the river? Uh, not not anyone that I know. But my, let me say this: the Clean Water Act and the Clean Air Act were passed. And by 1982, I can remember going out, and again in the 70s, I remember running along the shore and seeing dead fish everywhere. And I, can I'm remember- just saying, if somebody owned the lake or the river, you could sue the person who was killing your fish. But so I'll let, let you. Me, let's. Uh, let, so, let Gad, me, keep, tell me what you want to tell me. Okay, let me tell you why that doesn't work. First of all, in '82, I remember going out and looking at the lake, and it was blue, and there were hardly any dead fish. So, let me say this. I think the, the government fails tremendously often in environmental matters, but the problem you have legally is the causation issue. So let's say, uh, you know, I live in Georgia and someone is polluting in Tennessee and they're, th- they're putting some toxic, you know, things into the air and it's getting up in the ozone, it's coming down and it rains in Georgia. Am I going to be able to prove, prove causation that, that the cause of my illness was from that factory in Tennessee that was spewing out toxic? Uh, waste? No, I can tell you that. That's, there's no way you're going to prove it. So my point is, there's three areas where I see government having a role. One is antitrust, which did break up the trust and the Rockefellers. But there, there were monopolies back then, and I've dealt with businesses in my industry where uh, I've had clients sell out to their main competitor, and, and between the two of them, they dominated the U.S. market in a certain area, and they were trying to. Okay, we're going to disagree about that, but keep going. Okay. But they were, they were trying to fly under the antitrust laws when they merged, and they and they and there was no investigation, and so the buyer bought them and basically could raise prices. So I'm against that. I think the antitrust laws are good. I think the environmental laws, if they're done in the right way, let me give you an example of where I think the environmental laws should be changed. Take the Flint situation, okay, Flint, Michigan. I think we should change the way government works and say, okay, if you're involved in the EPA and you have a say over that matter, and you say that water's safe, then you and everybody in your family and all of your superiors at the EPA need to use that water and drink it for all your personal needs. So if you're going to say, everyone, this stuff is safe to drink, this stuff is safe to use, you're going to be held to the standard of personal use. So you better stand behind what you say. Okay. Um, I think that's a way to reform government. And right, what's your third thing, though? You said antitrust environment, and because I got to take a break, so you got to tell me your third okay. thing. I, I do believe that we need we need to have a very reasonable immigration policy, and I think we should let in more people than we do now. But I think we need to enforce the immigration laws, and that's an area where I disagreed with Nicholas on the panel uh, a week ago Friday. So you know, I, I just think you have a reasonable set of immigration laws, and you enforce them. Uh. All right, Alan. I um, I think immigration is definitely a thing where libertarians can disagree in the policy issues because it's a competing rights issue. 
I, what do you want? I, I've got like, let, why don't you uh, hold on and I will let you after the break, tell people a little bit about, um, you know, how to learn more about you and how to support Great. you. Okay, so hold on a sec. This is Monica Perez, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can ask me anything after the break. Monica Perez on News 95.5 and AM 750, WSB. 67 degrees outside. It's a 10 on the Mellish meter. Awesome. Weekend weather brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. Uh, I have on the line Alan Buckley, the Libertarian candidate for Senate. Why don't you um, tell people uh, how they can find out more about you and uh, help you? Oh, I appreciate it. Can I mention the, the things that my campaign emphasizes real quick? Yeah, I, I have a tight clock, but I'll give you, okay. you know, sure, as much as you can fit in, go. Just remember FRED as an acronym, Foreign Intervention. We have about 800 foreign military bases. The rest of the world combined has about 30. We need to reduce that number substantially while uh, protecting all of our people from terrorism. R stands for regulation. Uh, the executive branch is out of control. I've drafted a bill that's on my website that will put the, the executive branch under control, make heads of agencies personally liable if regulations they issue are struck, struck down in court. Uh, e is for entitlements. We've got to reform them in a fair in reasonable manner, and D is for debt. The debt is growing out of control. 2007, the GAO said the debts were going to spiral out of control. And, and what's they, your... They've doubled. And what's your website, Alan? It's www.buckley4senate.com. Real simple. Buckley is that a four Senate. like the number? No, F-O-R. Buckley, F-O-R, Senate.com. And any, I don't know, I don't do interviews. I didn't know Alan was going to call, but I, I think I will try to get some libertarian candidates on the air as elections are coming up. You can call in if you are one, um, or you can just ask me anything. Dave wants to talk about libertarianism and Paul Ryan next, which is awesome. That's a topic I love to talk about. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Monica Perez on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It is Anything Goes Day. You can ask me anything. You know, keep it friendly, keep it clean. But other than that, uh, I'll answer any question about what... Uh, what I think a libertarian position on something is, who I'm going to vote for, anything like that. Um, I'll really take anything. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I also have a lot of people emailed me, tweeted me, at Monica Perez Show. You can add to that list, and I'll go through them. The, the show is short today. I'm off at 3.30 to make way for G-Day, the, uh, the UGA spring game. So... That'll be good. A good time here on WSB. I'm going to go to Dave in Atlanta. Dave, you're on with Monica. All right, I'll, I'll spill and then I'll, let, I'll hang up and listen to you. Okay. I absolutely just, just hate the, the Republican Party, but I loathe the Socialist Party. So I need you to give me some realistic hope for my future with the Libertarian Party for two points. One, I vote for Libertarian is why that's not a vote for the Democratic Party. You're just splitting it up and giving it to the Socialist Democrats. And, you know, realistically, and so I, I'm puzzled by the establishment Republicans again. As Paul Ryan continues to befuddle me 
with the bailout of Puerto Rico this week, doing Obama's bidding again as if they've learned absolutely nothing. I, I just, uh, I'll hang up. <laughs> Don't despair, Dave. I will address your issues. Here's uh, your your first point was, tell me why voting for the Libertarian Party is not a waste to vote for, uh, is not a, you didn't say that, you said a vote for the Democrats. Here, here are some thoughts about this. If you really look, you, you followed that by saying Paul Ryan is doing Obama's bidding. I mean, that's the beginning of the answer. If you really look at what goes on with this ruling elite, and if you really want to know what the Republicans are all about, you can go to my website. I have articles. Uh, one of the articles is neoconservatism, an expose, or the autobiography of an idea. I wrote a review of Irving Kristol's book. And it, it, he, in that, he talks about what a conservative welfare state looks like and that conservatism is better defined as that which supports the traditional uh, hierarchy, the government. It's a crazy, crazy idea of what conservatism means, and it's what they're all about. So the Democrats and the and the Republicans are both, and, and the Democrats betray their side too because they're for the warfare state. So they're supposed to be for welfare. Republicans are spo- not supposed to be for warfare, but... The this is how I think of it. The voters for Democrats have fiscal insecurity. They're worried about money, worried about getting money, having enough money. The voters for Republicans are worried about physical insecurity. They want to protect their money and their bodies and their selves. So this is what those guys prey on, the Democrats, Republicans. But they're doing the same things. It's just how they manipulate the public opinion it, it depend, it just determines what order and how fast. So it doesn't matter which one of those guys wins in the end. I don't want Hillary to win because she will have a mandate to go fast on the welfare state and she'll shut up the left and resisting the warfare state. So she's just going to go faster on both of those things. So that's why I don't want her. But if you vote libertarian, you register that you acknowledge that that's what's really going on and you're not buying it anymore. But there's a funny little quirk that I, or a little wrinkle. I was reading a statistical analysis of exit polls versus the voting tallies and how in, I guess, the Kerry Bush thing uh, election in 2004 revealed a huge gap that was statistically impossible between exit polls and the tallies. And that uh, so that the vote was he considered to be absolutely for sure fraudulent. And I think that's there is a fair amount of evidence that there was funny business there and in many other elections. But this guy goes on to say that now I don't know if this is true or not, but what if it were that Democrats get so much more of the vote most of the time that the Republicans don't even really they, that sometimes the vote is 60 40 that one of the Obama elections, I guess, by the popular vote was 60-40 for Obama. Now, I thought with with that Apollo and all the funny business acorn against uh, supporting Obama that the funny business was to get him elected. But let's just say for, think for a second, if that's true and the funny business is masking how weak the GOP is, if people defected from the GOP, it would collapse and there would be a third party, which is in that book, Conservatism, the uh, Neoconservatism, 
the autobiography of an idea, it talks about how they have to co-opt, the Republicans have to co-opt the religious right or they'll go start a new party that you had to manipulate and control them. I mean, it's crazy what how Machiavellian this thing is. And that if you so so my thinking is that that actually the Republican Party is is a placeholder, a controlled opposition to keep people from defecting. And if they defected, it would be a real threat to the system. So by buying into that lesser of two evils vote Republican, you're actually supporting the Democrats for the long haul or whatever that ruling power elite is, because it keeps this two party psychological operation in motion. I know that was quite the mind vitamin (laughs) was more than just a mind vitamin, maybe more than you wanted, but I vote libertarian and I'm an anarcho-capitalist. I think voting itself could possibly be uh, just supporting the system by validating it. But when I vote libertarian, I feel like I am registering my protest to that system where they lie to us constantly and they both work towards the same goal, which is more debt, more bombs, less freedom. They were all doing it on both sides. So why cast your vote for either of them? That's my opinion. So I'm going to Jason. Jason, you are on with Monica. Hey, Monica. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm basically following up with what you just last said. Um, you know, the whole establishment on either side of the party or either side of the aisle seems to be fixated on continuing the status quo and, you know, example, the debt and all of that. So since the libertarian ticket, even if you vote as a protest vote, it's not really going to affect much from an individual level, especially if you're in a state like Georgia, which is always going to go red. Oh, yes, that's so a my- great point. I've never lived in a purple state. New York, California, <laughs> Georgia, Texas, I can vote for whoever I want, and it won't change the outcome, and I get to go home with a clean conscience. That's true, and I mean, I'm, I would obviously vote, you know, libertarian if I felt like that was not going to actually affect things, but this election cycle is unique, I think. You have a populist on one side and you have a nationalist on the other side and um i mean as a libertarian how do you vote if you're going to vote for one of those two things what do you think would be the most effectual vote against the establishment see i would never vote for one of those two things because i refuse i think let's put it in a like a moral context what if i mean i i'm a practicing catholic but I struggle with faith. I'm not, uh, you know, it's hard for me to envision, uh, you know, having a conversation with St. Peter at the pearly gates. But let's say that really happens. And he said, why did you vote for that evil politician? And I would have to say, well, he was the lesser of two evils. (laughs) And he would say, I don't care who won the election. God can change their hearts and minds the second they get in there. That election was a test for whether you had the courage of your convictions and you voted for someone you yourself described as evil. So I said this once on the air. Let me tell you, Jason, I said this once on the air. I said, don't just do me one favor in this election. This was like 2012. People were like, you can't vote for Ron Paul. It's a wasted vote. It's like, okay, don't vote for Ron Paul, but don't vote for someone who you think to be evil, even if it's the lesser of two evils. That's all I'm asking. Right. Somebody and, called up. So and I voted. I actually voted for Ron Paul in 2012. Yeah. And and and, the and thing that bothers me really is the fact that, like, I'm on, I'm watching my liberal friends and they're experiencing the same thing with Bernie Sanders that I experienced with Ron Paul in 2012. Only I don't really support Bernie Sanders because I think he's completely clueless as far as economics goes. Yet Donald Trump seems to have the establishment shaking at their boots, and they're trying everything to get rid of him. So if well, the enemy of my enemy, you know, is my I'll friend, tell you, Jason, and I would like to get your 
response to this, but let me just finish. Hold on a second. That right. when I said that, please don't vote for evil, even if it's lesser of two evils, I got an, an irate caller telling me that it was the most res- irresponsible thing he had ever heard on radio, that I was beseeching <laughs> people to not vote for evil. He thought was, you know, that's the extreme to which people take this, and that serves the system. But I will tell you, Jason, my opinion, and this is down the rabbit hole, I'm going to tell you right now, I right. personally am con- completely convinced this is true, but uh, I understand that it's just hard for you know people to get their mind around it. I read a quote from David Axelrod uh, a year or so ago saying, the problem with Hillary is people think she's the heir apparent. They want to think they have a choice. Then all of a sudden, Bernie Sanders, for the first time in his whole career, gets taken seriously by the news. And similarly, I wrote my first article about how weird it was, how much media coverage Trump was getting. I wrote my first article about that in July of last year. I said, this guy has always thrown his hat in the ring. They laugh him off the stage. They, If they really didn't like him, they would treat him like Ron Paul, which was to completely silence him and skip over him when polls were reported and everything they don't do that to bernie or trump i think both those guys are in the tank for hillary and she's going to win because of it okay and i mean i understand that argument i've heard that a lot too on both of them are shilling for hillary i just don't really see the evidence for it as far as um i'll tell you i'll tell you the the evidence is a is what i would consider to be the mathematical impossibility of donald trump having zero super PAC money and getting billions of dollars billions at this point of free advertising on the media outlets i I, if you look you can go to my website i've done uh, compiled a lot of articles and stuff about how people are getting the word at cnn and fox to just do all trump all the time and there were articles like that starting september december of last year i mean it is not possible for this guy to be killing it and spend absolutely no money or for the media to just blindly be playing into his hands. You know, that's the evidence, in my opinion. Okay. And, I mean, that's that's a fair point, I think, too. It's just I think that um, Trump might be more of a value to the media because of just how outlandish he is. And how the ratings, yes. Yes, yeah, I, ratings. I agree with that. But people loved Ron Paul also. He got tons of social media cred. He people would Ron Paul with Trump, though, I mean, it's a little bit different. I mean, Ron Paul was almost just ignored, almost in the way that Bernie Sanders is. Trump seems to be dominating the news cycle, but it's not because his message is because people want to caricaturize him. And I feel like he's threatening people like Mitt Romney and Hillary Clinton and Mitch McConnell and just. Yeah, I think those people are all playing into his hand. And I don't think that the news, if they they felt threatened by him, would give him that kind of attention. Yes, they like ratings, but we can see with CNN and other outlets that the agenda is always more important than the ratings. Sure, they love to have you pay for your own brainwashing, but the brainwashing is the most important part. This great conversation. Let's continue it after the break. 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. 70 degrees is the high today. 47 is the low overnight. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. And uh, let me go to James in Powder Springs. Hi, James. You're on with Monica. Hi, Monica. I love the show. Um, Just had a quick question for you. Okay. What do you think of Alex Jones? I, Alex Jones, I used to really like him. 
I used to, I found that he opened my eyes to a lot of things. I have found lately that I think he stopped short of the whole truth, like the Trump thing. He really validates Trump. And I, I think that Trump is, I really think Trump is a shill for Hillary. I think like, uh, I thought Edward Snowden, like, is a, was a still a CIA operative that all that leaking was just to get us to stop talking to each other. Uh, and Alex doesn't go that far. So for me, he stopped short, but I think he opens a lot of people's eyes to that. There is something going on behind the curtain. Why? What do you think of him? Uh, I'm, I'm a fan of his, like what you said, I, he opened my eyes to a lot of things and, you know, I, I listen to him every day, but in a way I do agree with what you said about Trump kind of worries me that Hillary could end up in office because of him. I, I think that's but. it. I mean, it, it like I've gone through the five stages of grief and, and, you know, I'm a libertarian, like I'm an anarcho-capitalist. I don't think we're saving the system through the system. I don't think that. But I'd like to slow down this mad rush over two cliffs, like the welfare cliff and the warfare cliff, which she is going to accomplish in four years what it would take Republicans eight years. You know, that's the only reason. But it's just, it's, uh, I, yeah, it's a bummer. Okay. Well, thank you for your Thanks, opinion. James. Thank you very much. I'm going to go to Ryan, Ryan in Johns Creek. Hi, Ryan. You're on with Monica. Hi, Monica. Um, I just wanted to say that it's pretty obvious to me that Trump and Sanders were put in there more than just to help Hillary. They were put in there to destroy the Ron Paul Liberty Movement. I totally agree with you. Totally. And, and I, and I tried to, I had said that or uh, hinted at that on the show and I got people, you know, Ron Paul supporters who, of which I was one, but saying, no, you don't understand like the Ron Paul, like I've actually responded to people. Ron Paul is a principled position, not just a contrarian, you know, against the establishment. He actually has principles, but it was the fact that people were ready for that, that I, that I do think that they distorted it, they, meaning the establishment, morphed it to sap away the strength to take all the content out of the rebellion, the revolution, and just leave it with a, with an angry shell, which does harm. Yeah. Absolutely, and I, I couldn't have really said it better, except, um, I mean, it's obvious they pulled out all the stops to stop him, you know, and like you said, they ignored him, things like that. If they really... If Trump was really anti-establishment, they wouldn't have given him negative attention all that time because that paints him as anti-establishment, exactly what they want. Because they want to yes. pull off that anti-establishment vote. They want right. controlled opposition. Could you imagine if the National Review magazine had dedicated an entire uh, edition to what they did not like about Ron Paul? Oh, gosh. Could you? He'd have won the election. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he would have won both sides of the aisle by a landslide. Absolutely. So, yeah, I told, I, I agree with that completely. And uh, I, I, that's why I have concluded that this, we're, we're really a pathocracy at this point. Like, the government is not working for us anymore at all. And I, and I, and I, I'm going to, I'll talk about it after the break a little bit more, but the fact that we have a total breakdown of the rule of law, that all these guys lied, General Alexander, James Clapper, Eric Holder, they all lied to Congress over the past couple of years, and and they're, some of those guys are still in office. Right. And so, so the rule of law is gone, and then uh, I've looked at this, that over an 18-year period, from 1963 to 1981, four of the six presidents 
someone tried to take them out of office. Now, it could be a series of lone nuts. I don't know. But JFK was killed. Nixon was ousted in what some people think was a coup. There were two assassination attempts against Ford. Uh, so that's like a note. Never have a Rockefeller as your VP. Um, Reagan was, uh, there was assassination attempt against Reagan. And my conclusion is that during that time was when the government really turned into a pathocracy. Media got completely under control. And the rest is just a charade. Yep, absolutely. It's a show. Yeah. It's so much really going on. Yeah. So anyway, thank you for the call, Ryan. People do act like, oh, it's so important. At this point, I've kind of given up on the possibility that we're going to change the system from within. But that doesn't mean I don't like to register my protest and engage in the system. Vote Libertarian. Vote for your mom. I know that's a hot sports opinion. 404 872 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez.